Hey, everybody. Guess what? It's time for another episode of Comedy Film Nerds. Episode 259. And you know what? I'm excited because it's another first-time guest. We've had a lot of first-time guests, you guys. Mm-hmm. And it's been good. We've been making an effort for that. So It's that's been mostly good. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, what, was there one you didn't like that I'm just now finding out about? <laughs> yeah. There was no, one you didn't like? Oh, man. <laughs> Don't do that. No, I'm kidding. They, everyone's been golden. Everyone's been gold. Yeah. Well, that sounds very insincere. <laughs> that sounds like you're lying. What a weird way to start an episode. That is a little weird. Yeah, yeah. kind of negative. Really yeah, negative. Yeah. All right. So maybe this guest is going to be one Chris doesn't like, yeah. like some of the other ones. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, some mystery guests. You have to guess which guest I didn't like out of 259. <laughs> What's the Which is the one? Which is the one. <laughs> um, so... Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got some great movies we're going to go over. Um, Predestination. We're going to talk about Chappie. Um, there's some... Well, wait a minute. You said we have some great movies. Yeah, I, so. I didn't say which ones. Okay. Again, it's a guessing game. Mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> we have, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Life Itself, Oh yeah, which is a, a great uh, DVD pick. And we're also going to be talking about the movies coming out, Cinderella and Run All Night. Boom. But we are going to introduce our guest right now. Very, very... Um, Talented guy, uh, multitasker, you could say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Big guy in the tech world, also pop culture, and a big podcasting um, maven. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the first time we've used that word in 259 episodes. It has not been appropriate until now. Until now. All right. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. um, Podcast maven. Tom Merritt. Hi. I'm going to try not to disappoint you now. (laughs) (laughs) Go, Maven, go. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I host a Daily Tech News Show, Cord Killers, Sword and Laser, a bunch of other shows, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, may I mostly just do podcasting. It's fun. Now, yeah. it's a mixture of tech and pop culture stuff, like Sword and Laser is your pop culture one, That's right? science fiction and fantasy. Cord mm-hmm. Killers is about TV and movies, mostly mm-hmm. cord cutting and watching TV and movies. And mm-hmm. uh, Daily Tech News Show is about tech news, and it's daily. So you do six, <laughs> you do six podcasts a day, is what you're saying. Uh, close. Yeah, it feels like it yeah. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> These are all daily podcasts. No, just one of them. Just okay. the daily one. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. And then the other ones are, we- the other two are weekly? Yep. Okay, cool. And how long have you been podcasting? Since March 30th, 2005. Nice. Wow. In fact, Buzz Out Loud was my first podcast at CNET.com. We're doing our 10-year anniversary uh, March 29th. Oh, that's awesome, man. So you're still involved with CNET then? Uh, no. No, the show was canceled years yeah. ago, but we're just doing a 10-year anniversary show. <laughs> It's like a Gilligan's Island reunion. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah, bring exactly. everybody together. I got to put on some weight, you know, go bald. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay. That makes great sense. That makes great sense. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Then we'll get in it. We want to get into a little bit more about what Tom's doing with podcasting and what he did with Patreon a little later. But first, we got to talk about Chappie. We have to talk about Chappie. I, I can't. Are even... you a happy Chappie? Oh, shut <laughs> up. Like that movie was so. It, 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 the screenwriter of Short Circuit's going, that was a stupid movie. Well, no, I mean, honestly, like, the dumbest parts of RoboCop, Short Circuit 2, yeah, uh-huh. and and uh, maybe some of the um, the the Thunderdome kids yeah. uh, all got put into this. <laughs> this blender that didn't have any settings. Oh, God <laughs> damn it. It was. It's, it's <clears throat> funny when you see a mashup, but it's like you're supposed to take the best parts when you're... Um, cutting pieces together of a science fiction film. They actually took the worst parts. Okay. Even like the the, the giant robot, it had the same design as the one in Robocop. They took the same, yeah, they yeah, just basically the took that, they, they dusted off that robot and, and 
it's, and said gave it to Hugh Jackman. And it's the same storyline. Exactly it's the, the same, same fucking story. So the, let, let's let, let's start uh, a little more broadly. Um, you and I both fans of Neil Blomkamp love yes. District Nine. Yes, I uh, thought Elysium was not so good, not as good. Not as I good. gave him a pass. You know, yeah, I gave I gave Elysium a pass because sure. I was like, this just. Elysium reeked of like big studios grabbing a, a talented filmmaker, telling him, and then, "Yeah, oh, you got to put this and this in there." Right, but as it turns out, from movie three, that may not have been the case. Um, first, I'm going to talk about actually what I was impressed with this film. Now, Neil Blomkamp has a visual arts background, and the movie's visual uh, effects um, are absolutely fantastic. I think the visual effects were. Uh, amazing, and I think the visual effects in all his films are amazing because of the vision he has with them. You really feel like it's like a hard science fiction, like just barely into the future. Everything is almost like hardware junk based, like it's some of it's kind of thrown together. It looks like new technology, but it's also the way uh, with his visual effects he layers everything. You believe that these things are in the scenes with the actors, yes. like in a way that. Uh, some sloppy visual effects are, oh, well, that's clearly green screen. That's clearly, you know, a robot that's not there. But with his visual effects, it's seamless. It's absolutely um, fantastic visually. Where I think his uh, last two movies have fallen apart has been on the page. I mean, clearly this yep. was a horrible script and a horrible script problem. And y- you look at, too, is it, it, was it ego? Was it... Not any control. Like, what what happened to make this script go so far off the rails? Uh, especially when you have, like, scenes that make absolutely no, no sense. sense. Um, like, I'm going to give you an example of uh, when Chappie is first, quote, comes alive. He is a, this is not a spoiler, he is basically a child. So, okay, so he has to learn everything. He doesn't even know language. Now, technically, as a robot, he's supposed to learn very quickly. Um, in the next scene, after he's being a child and doesn't understand anything, maybe a couple scenes later, maybe not the next scene, he's networking PlayStation 4s together to be able to transfer consciousness from people and robots. That's kind of a leap. He's a quick learner. Yeah, he's a quick learner. Yeah, yeah. That's a quick learner. And also, he's... (laughs) He's using PS4s, so that's even better. Um, so it, there's so many things wrong with this film, but I will say the visual effects are not one of them. It, it's And when the movie starts, this is another movie that was great out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. Like, like yes. it starts, you see the effects, you see this world that's created, you see this crime-ridden city of Johannesburg that, you know, you don't have to put every movie in Johannesburg. You could, There's the world you could actually right. use. Uh and the way that the um, the robots first are deployed, like the robot policemen officers, and the way that the human police officers actually walk behind them because they're basically walking shields, um, it all makes perfect sense. Like, this makes perfect sense to me, how this would be in the near future and what we would do. And, and uh, in a city, and, and, and Johannesburg actually initially made sense to me because I was like, oh, this is a city with a heavy crime problem. right. And, you know, let's deploy them right there. And then this movie goes so far off the rails that it's like you're watching these scenes and you're like, well, there's there's no way that anyone is enjoying some of this movie. Did, well, let me ask you, t- before I continue, Tom, have, have you seen District 9? Have you seen Yeah, this? I've seen District 9 and I've seen the trailer for Chappie, but I think you're saving me right now. <laughs> yeah, seeing. there's Did no question. Did you like question. District 9? I love District 9. Yes. Yeah, it was great. Because it was social commentary, it had a little sense of humor, but was really 
And, you know, the thing about District 9, too, is it was based on a short film. Um, and also, he had Peter Jackson looking over his shoulder, too. Mm. So you've got actually these... Um, you had like basically a big producer and also I think he, uh, I'm not sure the fans will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Peter Jackson's company actually funded this film. I don't even think it was a studio funded film. What I remember um, about district nine is when you district get nine. towards the end and you realize where you are in that film, you turn around and you're like, if you would have told me this before I came in here, I would have told you this was a stupid movie, but right. he leads you into it. It, it sounds like. That it, it, didn't happen. No, no. This leads you um, into a stupid movie. This is what <laughs> happens here. But you also, um, like, another thing about uh, District 9 was that um, it was one of those happy accidents where they were set to make the Halo movie. And when that fell out, uh, Peter Jackson and Neil Blumkin, they're like, well, why don't we just make, you know, your short film into a feature? And that that's how this... Uh, movie was made and like i said i so love real that quick film. it was columbia pictures it was alpha core which uh was the u.s company that helped make um uh elysium and then another company uh genre films which helped did elysium let's be cops and so Jenny it might be Ford. some kind of fund uh but yeah. maybe not big studio movie anyway i want to i want to say, say this though because what tom just said about district nine brings up a great point because the beginning of Chappie, they start the way they started District 9. Which yes. Is, which is, remember District 9, they're interviewed and people go, oh, wow, I can't believe this happened. And you're like, right. what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, yeah. They do the same thing. And then abandon it. And then abandon it. Yeah. We never yeah. come back to that again. So you also see the, 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 the sloppy screenwriting. It's like, well, wait, are you going to create this realistic world with interviews and experts and all this stuff like you did in District mm-hmm. 9? Um, only in the first five minutes, and then that is abandoned. And the what they can't believe is that robots, like security robots, have been created. Or no, the way they did it in the not beginning, to get spoiler, at the beginning, the beginning of the movie, they they were like, "Wow, you know, one Chappie, what happened with him? Boy, I, who that was crazy." So it's a flashback thing. Yeah, it's a flashback, and they speak very vaguely, so it has that same thing. Like I had the same the same feeling you did with District Nine. So when that happened at the beginning, I'm like, okay, yeah, where this is going to be cool. Like, what's what's Chappie going to do? Because the the trailer is kind of vague in terms of what mm-hmm. what I'm, actually happens in the film. What actually happens in the film? You so know, there's maybe. a big robot fight. That's all. That sure. you're, you're sure that's going to happen. But uh, again, few and far. So between. they couldn't believe they'd paid for the movie. Is that what they? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly really what kind of what it felt like. <laughs> How did we get the? Um, $49 million so, budget. So I really think that, uh, you know, Neil Blomkamp, like we're talking about, uh, th- this is, I, I, he's a decent director. He is. He's an amazing visual um, effects artist, but he's, he's got to stay away from script writing. You just have to. He, I mean, it's not, he hasn't put in 20 years of writing. He's put in 20 years of visual effects. That doesn't automatically translate into um, being an amazing screenwriter. You funny. just get some help. I just don't understand what happened because the guy who wrote it with uh, Terry Tatchell also wrote District 9 with him. Um, so I, I don't know. It, because here's what here's what happens in this movie. Like you said, it starts out, there's that flashback thing. It's like, wow, this could be interesting. And then there's just like Hugh Jackman's character is the most predictable dude. And then, so the movie is trying- It's all stock characters. There's no interesting no, characters not, in Well, this. nothing new happens. And not, yeah, there's nothing new. There's no character motivation that makes any sense or is at all compelling. And they're trying to do this like, you know, like- what happens when the robots do start to think for themselves? Like, that's the question they're yeah. trying to ask. These questions were asked in fucking Blade Runner 
30 some years ago. Yeah. Like, and Robocop. And, and I mean, there's just, nothing new in this her. film. And yeah, her, her. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And her, and poorly asked in iRobot yeah. and AI. I mean, mm-hmm. like, it's just, it just, it's, go back to um, 2001. Yes. <laughs> you know, look at how. 50, 40, 50 yeah. years ago, these questions mm-hmm. were all asked in a mm-hmm. better way mm-hmm. and more compelling and more interesting. So if you're going to ask, like, it has to be an interesting and, and a unique way. And that, that didn't happen at all. Has he not seen these movies? Well, that makes you wonder, like, well, Evan, you need to know what kind of came before you before, uh, and also take the better parts of them. So the other thing that was so fascinating is that the, how poorly developed the characters were. Like, you have Hugh Jackman, and he's like, oh, he's the ex-soldier who uh, wants to put his right. giant robot on the market. And um, you have basically a company that's an arms company. That You know, they're making mm-hmm. their police robots, mm-hmm. but also... He's presenting this giant robot, and he's saying, yeah, it's good for, you know, getting rid of aircraft and all this stuff. And these are like police chiefs that are like, well, we don't have any need for that. Don't you think that if you're an arms company, your boss would go, you know, why don't you try selling it to the military instead? They might want to buy a mech, maybe, if they're for their wars. Uh, so it's- it, like, And then this is the thing that I have to ask, because we have fans in South Africa. I have to ask you guys this, because this scene made absolutely no sense to me and i I, granted i know there's some cultural differences um hugh jackman works in an office along with all his other colleagues he's in a cubicle he's armed he is wearing a shoulder holster and he has a gun right and he pulls a gun on a colleague and points it at his head um now and then he comes oh no i was joking i wouldn't bring a uh, loaded gun into an office it's just a big joke just to be clear he's not a cop yeah he's not a cop no he's not a cop just just asking he's got a guy that works actually in the office now um we're we're gun crazy in the united states but that would never happen in any office here (laughs) there's no people don't come armed and point their guns at each other in the office so i don't know if that was a weird kind of like south african satire or like what what's going on with that scene so if you live in south africa explain that specific scene to me why he would not get arrested for pulling a gun and pointing it at someone else's head in an office and i also think and then then here's something that happened is is the the two the two main bad guys this man and this woman ninja and yolandi i guess are some sort of uh comics or something like that from South Africa because I felt like there was all these inside jokes happening that I didn't... Right, there's definitely some cultural stuff. Right, and yeah. so they did a short, I'm just looking this up on IMDb, called um, Shim, Shini Wam, and it's named after the Zulu language struggle song uh, the compiled shenanigans of eccentric South African couple with wheelchairs and guns as they attempt to prove they are not to be trifled with. So they're like, I guess they're known as like online or short film fake gangsters or something like that. So... They so were, there was some stunt casting. There was some stunt casting. They were named Ninja and Yolandi. Like, so like those were their characters. Those are their characters. So I think I think they play these sort of like wannabe street thugs as sort of their That's their thing. That's their that's their thing. Mm-hmm. But again, that was like so so maybe people in South Africa were like, I loved it. They were yeah, hilarious. That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't get any of that. And I was just like, these characters are getting annoying. And why the fuck is Dev Patel keep coming back to them? And then she falls in love with the robot. Yo, Chappie, he's my baby, or whatever. It was just, oh. Yeah, it, there was a lot wrong with this movie. And uh, one of the things, too, is the tone was completely off. Like, when you watch um, District 9, even Elysium had a very even tone. Sure. This, this one was like, well, is it trying to be a comedy now? Or is that now we're watching, like, you know, 
all this like commentary and segregation and these heavy sci-fi themes. Oh no, now we're just making jokes about being gangsters and uh, holding guns and and uh, so I, I I wasn't sure what to make of this film. And also as I watched it, I just got more and more disappointed. And I I don't know if I'm gonna go rush out and go see his next film. I'm not. Now the only I know he's. Um, I'm sure he's working on something. I, th- I believe he got the Alien franchise. He's going to do an Alien movie. Um, this is going to take place in Johannesburg. It might take place in Johannesburg. Yeah, it might be so an Alien invasion. It's Johannesburg. Space Johannesburg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> space Jobo. <laughs> so if, you know, some good screenwriters come on board, I'd like to see what he could do. Honestly, it's it's a little similar to M. Night when you look at it. Like, we'll mm-hmm. see how many more come. You, you've got mm-hmm. a, um, a great first film. And you also have a fairly decent director. Like, I... You know, M. Night is not a bad director. He's he's a serviceable director. It's the writing. It's just it's yeah. all in the writing. And uh, I really think that you know there, he's got a good movie in him, but he's got to he, he's got to release some of the control and let yeah. uh, let some screenwriters take over because he wrote he's written all three of his movies and, and either written or co wrote right. written his three and, films. Let bring somebody else on board. Um, take care of the directing and the visual effects. And the alien, untitled Neil Blomkamp alien project. Yeah, so who knows what's going on in there. And the writers are Neil Blomkamp, Dan O'Bannon, and one other person. For uh, now. That that will change, you know, as it as it goes into... Uh, as Well, Chappie just ate it in the box office. Yeah, but that, that and that was not to be, uh, that was not unexpected. I yeah. really didn't expect people to go to see this film. I was one of the few people who saw the trailer and went, this could be good. You were like, nah. I don't think so. <laughs> I was hoping I was it would be because I was put off fan. in the trailer by Chappie himself, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the lead. yeah. <laughs> but I thought, oh, well, there'll be more to that. It'll evolve like it did in District 9, and it won't be right. little young baby annoying Chappie anymore. But apparently that... No, you're that didn't right. matter. That's it. That's all you. That's all you get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you pretty much did. And, and to the point where it was like, um, you know, he became like bratty. Like uh, it was like, oh, he's ignoring it. Like, Find one character in that movie you gave a shit about. Yeah, there was not one. No one. There was not one. Didn't care about anybody. Yeah. You know, Sigourney Weaver was pretty much walking through. You know, I think she had no no good lines. Nope. And and my favorite part was too was like. Uh, <laughs> It's like it's so sloppy. Like Hugh Jackman, he's like, all right, this is my chance. Now I'm going to get my robot onto the streets. All I have to do is convince the boss to let me do it. After all this time, she's like, no, no, no. And then he's like, you got to let me do it now. We don't know what's going on with another robot. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so he gets to use this giant robot to start shooting everything up. Oh. And then, and then, uh, okay, this is a bit of a spoiler because honestly, I got to tell you guys, this is uh, the, the goal... Here's some spoilers. There are some spoilers. You can skip this, but we have to talk about this because it's part of the film and the problems with it. The um, goal of letting Hugh Jackman unleash this giant mech that he controls was to go after and destroy Chappie because that was the threat. Uh, instead, he takes a few detours and shoots a bunch of people instead <laughs> that he doesn't have to. In you're the dumbest way. Yeah, you're controlling a mech. You don't. You can ignore the people. You can just go and actually get to the robot that you yeah. want to destroy. Wait, they- the mech is not under its own control? No, the mech oh. is actually remote controlled. That's the, that's one of the uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah yes 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 Tom you're yeah. right yeah and, and that's I see of, why you needed to bring that up yes. <laughs> So basically, Hugh Jackman is in working a joystick and uh, has sending his mech, you know, and uh, off to killing oh, people. There's all, all these things like they just it's they do those things. They establish some sci-fi rules and just bail on yeah, they bail on them. They do that fun thing. Yeah. They do stuff where you go, "There's no way. There's yeah. no way they would just." <laughs> Cult, so cult hit ever? Campy? <laughs> no, nothing. I well, that's the thing. It it wasn't so. 
like RoboCop is is a cult hit because it has the crazy king. I'll buy that for a dollar. And right. it also has very biting satire, especially for the time. It was ultra violent, but right. it, everything had like a purpose and it was it was commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the same thing you, with Starship Troopers. I mean, Verhoeven's movies were very specific in what they were trying to say. Yeah. Uh, and RoboCop was also one of those movies that when you saw it, I'm like, this looks absolutely ridiculous and stupid. Like, like even the um, the tagline was like, um, what was it? Half human, half robot, all cop. Right. You know, and uh, when you actually watch the film, you're like, oh well, no, this is satire. This is everything is very mm-hmm. uh, deliberate on what you're being shown. Um, this went in the opposite direction. This is this it's was felt like slapped together, man. It slapped together and like wanted to take itself seriously, but also wanted um, it to be like also have like really funny comedy parts, well, and they fell flat. Well, that's the thing. It, it, now that we know kind of that there was this comedy team in it, it feels to me like oh, we'll just let them, just let them do their thing. Yeah. Let them just go. It, it, it sounds like Key and Peele showing up in Fargo, except that worked. Right. Even if yeah. you didn't know Key and Peele, <laughs> yeah. they still made sense as characters on their right. own. Right. They didn't go crazy yeah. on that uh, right. in the show. They because were they were actually um, subdued and in that world cause, properly because that show is written well. And they they said we're going to plug these two. Those two guys are very funny. But if you just threw them in a movie and just said, "Hey guys, just wing do whatever it, you want," it yeah. would be it would be a mess. It would be a mess. All right. So now let's get to a movie that actually um, I'm hearing great things about. In fact, uh, Neil really liked it. Um, predestination, and we actually our fans have been this. Now this was specifically this. we've heard from several fans, but but our our 17 year old Aussie fan down under, uh, Sean Coates, recommended us to to watch this. Uh, I was looking for it. It was not. It's not on Netflix, but um, it's on demand right now. I think demand. you can get it on iTunes too. But now, Tom, you saw it. What did yeah, you think of this? Movie? I rented it. Uh, really intriguing. It's based on the Robert Heinlein novel All You Zombies, mm-hmm. uh, which I get why they didn't call it that. Yes. For, for a while, I was like, why did they change the name? And then it kind of struck like, oh, everyone would expect zombies. Zombies in the film. There yeah. are no, spoiler, no zombies yeah. in the film. Uh, but it, it's, it's... And no, no one goes anywhere. It's my favorite time travel type of story because it's internally consistent. Which is much harder to do. Of course, usually, it is. usually yeah. you just cheat, and you know Voyager can change its past or whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, but the but they did a great job of staying fairly true to Heinlein's book and and having it all fit together. And Sarah Snook is amazing uh, because she plays several. Well, it's spoilery to even tell you who she plays, but she mm-hmm. she has several different costume changes, several different people at several different points in their life, and she's amazing at it. And Ethan Hawke um, is in it. How does he do? Uh, Ethan Hawke, you know, it's funny, just saw Boyhood right before I saw Predestination, and mm. it was kind of hard not to see him being Ethan Hawke uh, <laughs> in it sometimes. But he's serviceable. Like, he doesn't, mm. he doesn't distract from it for me. Now, what's the basic premise of the film? Basic premise of the film is that uh, at the beginning, a sort of a time cop, I can't remember what they call it, is going back... Temporal agent? Temporal agent, is that it? Thank you. Uh, is going back to investigate uh, something because it's their job to preserve the timeline. Uh, and he starts looking into this woman's past particularly, and you don't know exactly why. And then events you start to come out of sequence, and you start to see these different stories and three different timelines start to intertwine and I'm, I'm trying not to. Sure, sure, not, sure. I'm trying not to say too much because Good, because you know what, this is one we actually want to see too. Yeah. I really want to see this, and I know I see that Noah Taylor's in it, who I just love as a as a as a character actor. How is he? Does he play multiple people too? Like, 
It's mostly Ethan Hawke and Sarah. Ah, okay. uh, the the others are are very ancillary characters. It's okay. mostly their connections throughout the time, and that and that's a really interesting part of it too, because you get a you get a futuristic set. You also get a '40s and a '60s, uh, so you get a little of that Mad Men feel, a little bit of that, you know, recreating a place in time, and seeing both Sarah Snook's character as she grows up in those different eras and what mm-hmm. she's doing and how she's behaving, and also Ethan Hawke trying to pretend like he belongs as he goes back into these different oh, eras, wow. and it's that you know, oh, I just saw you yesterday, but it's been years for you. Is it that thing now, again, without without getting into any spoilers, is it that thing, because I love time travel movies, but um, where, is it is it more about the, you know, the, the time travel theories and what, what is it, like the big what if questions, or is yeah. it really just about their relationship, or? Well, both. Oh, okay. uh, and those two questions are tied directly to each other, ah. which is, how can I affect the past? Can I change the past? Because now I'm getting to know you and understanding your backstory, I don't want certain things that I know are going to happen to happen, but I don't think I can avoid it, or can I? Ah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's also the directors, uh, the Spearig brothers, who did uh, Daywalkers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, I didn't put that together. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. It, and it's it, the style of... Or Daybreakers, uh, Daybreakers, sorry. The, uh, the style of... They weren't the, walking, they were breaking. They were, well... <laughs> they were dancing. Yeah. <laughs> they were trying to make it less violent. <laughs> <laughs> They're just walking. It's okay, mom. Uh, yeah, the, but the style of the the shooting of the film is is really noirish uh, mm, and good. and appropriate to those those time periods that they're visiting, uh, and it's very much got a detective novel. A lot of guys in fedoras and stuff mm. like that. So cool. That sounds good. I'm yeah. a, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for it. So check it out, guys. That sounds really good. And it was one of those things where they released it in theaters and on demand at the same time. It's mm-hmm. it's on iTunes, like you said, and that's where I rented it. But I think you right. can get it Amazon, Vudu. They they just want people to see it. Oh, that's right. great. Which I you know it's interesting to talk about that model, um, as and which will kind of segue into what Tom has been doing with his show. I'd love to see some hard numbers to know because you know before there was this clear like theatrical then dvd then you know what i mean and a lot of small i mean obviously the big the we, avengers or whatever like you're not going to get avengers on demand you're not going to get avengers on demand because <laughs> because it's smart but it's i i wonder and it seems like I, the evidence must just be that a lot of films are doing this so it must be making sense for them a smaller film like this that isn't going to get in five thousand screens in the states or whatever that this model of hey just see it it seems to be working because I, I guess, you know, the, just thinking myself and just fans and, and Tom, maybe you can answer to this in terms of your own thinking specifically with this film. Was it like, like if you, if this was in a theater near you or you could watch it at home, would you have just gone ad ah, rather watch it at home? Well, it, it wasn't a theater. It was one a theater, you know, maybe five miles from me, not that far, mm-hmm. but I watched it at home because I knew that if I waited to go see it in the theater, it really wouldn't change the experience in this particular movie. And I probably wouldn't see it. And I wanted to see it. So it gave me that, that extra push to be like, you know what? There's no excuse for me not to see it. Whereas Avengers, I don't want to watch that at home on day no, one. No, no, I want to exactly. watch that in a exactly. big theater, exactly. right? Yeah. Uh, so small that, films like this are taking a cue from what independent musicians, I think, have right, learned, which right. is if you don't have the name recognition, it's better to just make it available as many places as right. possible. And that's a great point, too. A movie like this is... Um, 
uh, movie. Like, you know what? I can experience, I can get a good experience with this film at home. I don't have to seek out an art house theater that's difficult to find. I may not have the time I want. Like some of our art house theaters, you'll find a movie you want. There'll be one showing. One showing. And uh, if you miss it, I'm like, oh, great. Now I have to wait till tomorrow or whatever. But I can just pull it up and watch it anytime I want. You know, I'll, I'll pay the six ninety nine or whatever. Or even the nine ninety nine. You know, I, it's funny. It's funny because I've been in this situation myself. I, you know, every week we got. I got to see something, and, I'm, and yeah. sometimes it's like Monday night. I'm like, shit, I haven't seen anything yet. Right. And on demand is a great way to on see demand these movies. is like you know what I don't have time because it's eight thirty or there's a nine o'clock show. It's like right. man, or it's an eight forty five show. Yeah, <laughs> you can't make it. You can't make it, yeah. or it's just like now oh, I got to wait till eleven. I'm not going to an eleven o'clock show. Right, you know right. what I mean? So, but I can on demand this. I like this, and I, I it's got to be helping these these mid level and small, especially films. apparently the uh, Australian movies. Uh, well, like our fan from Australia was saying, these critically acclaimed, well received films are not doing well in Australia. They find their audience outside of the country. They said this movie, um, the Babadook, uh, the Rover. They said they all have done better outside of Australia, which is really interesting. Now, Babadook is another one that. Uh, People are saying is really good, but it looks a little frightening. So well, well, <laughs> I don't know if I'll actually see it. Well, not well. Well, let, well let's get into now. Speaking of of like uh, unique and new new business models. Yeah, um, yeah. Tom, let's get into. Yeah, let's bore everyone with business. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. Let's crunch the numbers. But look, go into a little more detail, uh, specifically. Um, what you've been doing with your podcast, how, like, basically you're making your living as a podcaster. Yeah, uh, so, I, like I said, I, Until I, start, today. I started podcasting in 2005 and I finished today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I started at CNET when I was working there and I, I got the bug. What I really was CNET? Uh, CNET is this website. They used to have websites. You, didn't, you could see them on your phone still. <laughs> Uh, and CNET is a product review website. It does uh, it does all kinds of uh, tech news and, and product sure. reviews. And so we we started doing podcasting yeah, video games when too, the right? rage started. Yeah, mm-hmm. GameSpot is mm-hmm. part of CNET, CNET and right. they do mm-hmm. video game reviews. In fact, TV.com uh, is part of that. Uh, okay. They have some film uh, reviews on TV.com, oddly, uh, but they do. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I started doing podcasting there. And after a few years of doing that, I just wanted to do podcasts. And so I left and joined Leo Laporte's Twit outfit, which is all podcasts. That's mm-hmm. all he does. Uh, I worked there for a few years and then left there at the end of 2013 and went entirely independent. So now I'm just doing my own podcasts. And when I left, I was looking at lots of different business models. I was talking to advertising networks. Uh, I, was, I was talking about paid promotion and all of this sort of thing. And Patreon had just launched the summer before, my friend Brian Brushwood uh, for our show, Cord Killers, said, well, let, let's try just fan funding it and see what happens. Right. So go specifically to anyone out there listening who doesn't know what Patreon is. Tell exactly what it is. Patreon.com is sort of like Kickstarter, but instead of having an end date, you yeah, subscribe to model. per month or per unit. So it was started by musicians with the idea of like, oh, I'll make a song. You pay me. And so it's a patronage model. Oh, I see. So they're just all just a subscription for content. Yeah. And so what we did with Cord Killers was every episode we put out, you give us a dollar. That's that's what we asked for. Uh, if you like it. If you don't like it, you don't have to give us anything. And we raised plenty of money to continue to do that show. So about a month into doing Daily Tech News Show, I decided to try that 
for Daily Tech News show as well. But because it was daily, I felt like it was too much to ask. Even if you say, like, just give me five cents a show, like trying to process in that and get, having people wrap their heads around daily. So I, I changed it to a monthly thing. And I said, give me a dollar a month, which is five cents a show. And that took off too. And it's been growing wow. ever since. And people can give more if they want, obviously. They can, yeah. And and I do a few perks uh, for people, just like Kickstarter, you know, giving you inside information or tips on things and, and hangouts and stuff oh, like that. Oh, cool. Um, and then do you help fix their laptop? Is that no, one of the tiers? no, that that's going to need a much higher <laughs> tier. That's a, that's a Patreon all its own. <laughs> so then are you basically then are just in office, like you have an office space and you're doing this every day, pretty much doing the yeah, daily. Yeah. I have a, a studio downstairs in my house and mm-hmm. uh, go down there and, and do usually like two shows a day, uh, the daily tech news show. And then one of the others. Ah, cool. And well, we're going to be on one of them next week. We are. Mm hmm. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do a show called Current Geek with Scott Johnson where we just talk about uh, pop culture and geeky stuff. Usually it has a little bit of film, a little bit of comics, a little oh, bit of great. tech. No, I saw the email. You saw it sent me emails, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I'm an yeah. idiot. I forget everything. <laughs> well, Chris is going to be on. Chris, you yeah. should join us. <laughs> you should join us. <laughs> You're more now, than welcome. What is a podcast? <laughs> Tell me what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so now this Patreon model too, we, we've been, um, they're going to actually, they're a supporter of the podcast festival this year too and we're happy to have them on board what the way it works too like let's say you um you take a break from content for like you're like you know what i'm gonna take a month off how does patreon work do, do they like get the month off from paying or like does it like when you drop content they get charged or is it monthly regardless yeah when you do it by time it's a little trickier because you as the content owner have to say I'm, okay i'm not going to charge you because i took the month off i haven't done that i don't uh-huh. plan to do that but you'd have to when you do the paper item model mm-hmm. you only get charged if an item comes out i see and the other side of it that's cool if you're like well wait a minute i'll pay for three or four a month but if you just go crazy and do 10 episodes in a month i don't want to pay for that patreon provides a way for you to put a max oh, I to see. say okay i'll back your show every week but only four a month Ah, okay. So and then, so then when you like go on vacation, do you just bank episodes so you're always dropping content or do you just take an actual break? I've or? only taken one vacation since I started doing this and I just got uh, other people to come in and do the show. Oh, great. Do you have guest hosts? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. do you live stream it as well? Yeah, I live stream it on uh, Google Hangouts. Ah. More just for p- people's fun to watch us record. It, right. it gives you a YouTube video afterwards. Oh, there, there is a level, if we get to it on Patreon, where we'll actually create a real video podcast. Ah, okay, cool. Um, have you gone out and done any of these shows live, like a live ticketed event or anything like that? Yeah, I've done them at conferences. So at DragonCon in Atlanta last year, at Nerdtacular in Salt Lake City, uh, and in, in other shows I've done uh, things at Comic-Con or places like that. Usually better to do them around conferences because more people are coming into town, and so you can get more people who want to see your show. At the same time. And pretty good turnouts for these? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Uh, the one in Dragon Con, we, we packed a, a big room with a couple hundred people. Nice. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. So uh, what's next for you? Like, I know you love doing podcasts. Do you have any in development where you're like, oh, if I had more time, I would be doing uh, these? Always. <laughs> I'm always trying to stop myself. Uh, in fact, I forbid myself uh, from launching anything new for a while. So yeah, right now, uh, I'm just trying to keep all of the things I've got going and improving on them, focusing mm-hmm. my energy into that. I also write just for fun uh, novels and, and stuff, and I self-publish those. Maybe someday I'll get really good at it 
but you know, I th- name I, one of your novels. I just put out one called Citadel Thirty Two. Mm-hmm. It's about a uh, moon base that got cut off from the Earth after the Earth had a post-apocalyptic or had an apocalyptic scenario, and there is a second perspective on earth that's the post-apocalyptic earth recovering uh-huh. and investigating these legends of people being on the moon and how does patreon fit into the story that one doesn't yeah <laughs> it's not yet that'll be not- basically what i do is i i write a novel during national novel writing month every year uh, and then i okay. polish it up over the mm-hmm. course of the next year or two and i have a friend who's an editor who helps me out when is national novel? it's in november mm-hmm yeah, yeah. People literally they write a no- they try to write a novel in one month. Wow. Yeah, you write like I can't remember exactly. It's sixteen hundred words a day or something like that it's for a damn month. Crazy. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. insane. The idea is to try to get fifty thousand words down in a month. Wow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's yeah. <laughs> it sounds words. worse than it is. Uh-huh. But I bet you, if you just if you, you get in the rhythm, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a curve to it, and the guys who run that National Novel Writing Month know, like, okay, we know you're going through the I need to quit phase right now, and we oh, oh we know funny. you're on the high phase yeah. right now. <laughs> like they've been doing it so long. Right, you'll get in a groove, and then you'll just start banging out, and you'll hit yeah, yeah. two, three thousand words in one day. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The key yeah. is not to quit when you hit the down phase. Right, uh, right. Well, that's gotcha. cool. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let's move forward to some, some DVDs Let's go out. DVDs, Night at the Museum 3, answers all the unanswered questions from Night at the Museum 1 and 2. Finally. <laughs> um, you know what would make this movie great, would make it better, is if Chappie was in it. <laughs> Are you a happy Chappie? Have, oh, God. <laughs> Chappie, he's my Chappie. son. Yeah, mommy. Oh, mommy. Ma- <laughs> Jesus. Imagine Chappie running around that dumb museum <laughs> with all those other idiots. That'd be great. Getting eaten by the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, but he couldn't because he can fight him and he's titanium. Yeah. And, then, and then when Chappie starts talking street rap. Yeah, and then he would put together a bunch of Game Boys and make a nuclear bomb. Oh, great. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, it really gets in your head, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does because it was, I think the reason is because we really wanted to like it. The level like, of yeah. disappointment comes yeah. at you so hard. Right. Because you're like, oh, you know, okay, okay, all right. What the fuck is going on? Like, it just, oh, yeah. So next uh, movie is Listen Up, Philip. This is one of those movies that was an indie movie that uh, was out a long time ago, and I'm surprised it's taken this long to get to DVD. It is not a good film. Um, if you bring it up, uh, it's, it's you know, I love the lead actor um, in this film movie it's jason schwartzman uh, and Moss, now now jason schwartzman imagine jason schwartzman I, i've said this before when i when i did this review when i watched it um he is a lovable asshole in a lot of movies now imagine if you took the lovable part out and he was just an asshole and watched that for two hours not nearly as interesting raw schwartzman yeah Ugh. yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's not not a great film. Um, next one is uh, the DVD pick. Uh, Graham, actually, you saw this. Life itself. This is the um, documentary about Roger Ebert. This is yeah. This is I, I can. This is a really good documentary on a lot of levels. Um, obviously, if you listen to this show, you're a fan of movies, so it's it's almost like recommend. Like I would really require this uh, as part of the curriculum. <laughs> yeah, it is because for several levels, in the sense that you learn about how, like how we came up. He was like old school journalist in terms of, you know, he ran his uh, college newspaper and he was in college in the early 60s at University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. I think he was like accepted to Harvard and his parents 
were like, nope, I can't afford it. You're going to U of I, baby. So, um, it was risky business before risky business. It was totally risky business. Um, and so uh, it resonated a lot with me personally just because I grew up in Chicago. Uh, many friends went to University of Illinois. Um, and, you know, they were talking about his early days of, of, you know, writing story, like when JFK was assassinated and, um, this is back in the days of printing presses on the college thing. And it's like, you know, the whole building shook and there was an ad right next to it that had like someone with a musket or something like that. And it was pointing right at the photo of JFK. And he said, we got to get, we got to stop this. And they're like, no son, it's too late. He goes, believe me, get this stopped right now. And they did it. And, and, and there's interviews with, you know, his friends who were like, you know, we're 20 years old and we're watching one of our contemporaries tell these adults, shut it the fuck down, you know? And, and so he became this sort of legend in college. And, um, and then going in the whole history, again, it's, it's great history in terms of, of the city of Chicago and Chicago newspaper politics. You know, he came up, uh, at the Chicago Sun Times, and they made him uh, okay. You're writing the movie reviews, and back then, movie reviews, um, it was like Matt and A was the byline because it was made spelled Matt and A, and just whatever writer was like whatever that's called a pseudonym or yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're just nom de plume. Yeah, exactly. So they're just like, all right, Chris, you write the movie reviews this week. You're right, Matt right. and A and then It's Tom- like writing obituaries. Exactly. So he was the first one to become like a, an actual movie an reviewer. actual film critic with the Chicago Sun Times. And it was funny he's talking about in the early days they'd all go out drinking and uh you know, the Old Town Ale House is one of the bars he drank at, which I have been to. I was there when I was when I was headlining uh, Zanies. Uh, several fans of this show, Ashley Raper, the Hanson brothers, came to one of my shows, and we went to that bar afterwards. And there's car- there's pictures of him up there. Oh, very. Some cool. of the interviews about those drinking days were filmed in that bar. Um, it talks about all the stuff that I didn't really know because I just remember watching him as a kid. And at the movies. At the movies, on which was originally on PBS in Chicago, and yes. then it became on WGN. And I just, I loved that show because they the way they talked about movies. Like, I could never really get on board with Leonard Maltin so much. And it was always fun when they argued, too. Like, because it was a sincere argument where they, like, it, it wasn't like they hated each other. It was like, we have a disagreement, and, uh, I, you know. I don't well, it's funny. that They they did not get along on a lot of levels, Oh, really? Man. Oh, oh it was, interesting. Okay. It was so fascinating because it's there's so much cool stuff in there. The Chicago Sun-Times was sort of the south side blue-collar paper. Uh, uh, mayor Washington, which was the first ever black mayor of Chicago, read it. And the Tribune was viewed as the sort of snobby North Shore. So it's for Cubs fans. For Cubs fans. It's for <laughs> Cubs fans, exactly. Um, I'm a Cubs fan. I, I read the Trib, and I grew up on the North Shore. But like the, 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 there is that line in the city, and it's like the South Side what, reads the Sun Times, and they go to the White Sox fans, and everybody comes together for the Bears, and. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's a, and everyone enjoys the parks. And everybody enjoys the parks. So there was that whole thing. And so like literally Gene Siskel came from the Tribune. 
So there was already this like the rivalry. Okay, oh, I didn't man. know that. That's great. It was so fascinating. I want to see this movie even more it's, now. There's so much interesting stuff to it. The only thing that's a little difficult to watch, just because they're showing footage of when he was still alive, when he had to have his jaw removed, and that's like a, a little jarring. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Johnny Joke Machine. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is a little. It is a little hard to watch, but it's. It's compelling in the sense that he lost his voice and he's just like, I'm going to keep typing. And you see how strong his wife is. You know, they met in AA and all this, like all this okay. stuff about him, I never knew. Does it go into his activism too? Like his, uh, his political activism? It goes, in, it goes into all that how when he lost his voice and couldn't review movies anymore, he was like, I'm going to be on the laptop all day, every day. And he embraced Twitter and was like, you know, um, you know, it was nearing the end of his life. I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to say what I want to say. And so it really got into a lot of that. It got into, um, it's a, it's a really compelling documentary. And it also was kind of cool about Chicago. Cause it talks about when he, he won the Pulitzer prize. I didn't know he won the fucking Pulitzer prize for writing movie reviews. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, they're like, is he the only one? I don't know. There's not many. All right, fans. I think email. He, was the, for, he was Twitter. Uh, tweet us. It was Roger Ebert the only one to win a Pulitzer Prize for an, a uh, movie review? I definitely think he was the first. First, okay. Um, but if there's more fans, let us know. But there's stuff, you know, like the New York Times like came to him, like Ben Bradley, all these people. And he's like, here's what he said. He goes, I don't want to learn new streets. <laughs> it's just like it's just like it's so Chicago. It really just like is. come on, I want you know. So it it it, it was. It, it's it's a really compelling movie, and and his his love of film and all that stuff. I I cannot recommend this film enough. Oh like, great! Like if you're a film fan, you're going to absolutely love. So this if you're movie. yeah, so if you're listening to this show, you have to see this. You have film. to see. I'm going to watch it now. <laughs> and if you grew up watching him, then it's it's going to make your opinion of him. And that show and what that show was and what him and Gene Siskel were doing and trying to do was so cool because they loved movies. Mm-hmm. And they talk about him doing Valley of the Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. It's fucking awesome, man. It's it's worth seeing. So uh, check it out. Life itself. And uh, premiering this week, uh, Cinderella. Now, obviously, Disney has kind of ridden this cash machine now. As far as like um, reviving mm-hmm. live action versions of mm-hmm. their animated classics, uh, Cinderella, you've got uh, Maleficent, like little different takes. You even have um, Johnny Depp's Alice in, you know, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland with mm-hmm. the sad hatter, Johnny Depp. Uh, <laughs> the sad hatter. <laughs> uh, so I, I think what they are doing is they're they're looking at um, ways to repackage these films. <laughs> and I, I'm sure after this, what was it? Uh, yeah, the, the, after this, there will be more because they're making money. They're doing well. And uh, they're, they hit that family-friendly um, sweet spot, but they realize, well, we can actually make live-action versions of all these animated movies we made. Uh, you know, you've actually, you have a, a live-action Jungle Book movie coming soon, and you have a lot of these actually, what? yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're on the way. They're being uh, made. Now, I don't know if they're going to redo some of the live-action ones. Like, you remember, you remember the Disney, like Treasure Island, Swiss Family Robinson? Herbie. Uh, Herbie, yeah, yeah, all of yeah. those, uh-huh. Um, I will say there is one Herbie movie that's really hard to find. You have to see. 
it's one that they did a couple years ago, and it has a bunch of comedians in it. It has Bruce Campbell, Dana Gould, and like Jeff Garland is in it at the end. You have, there's the, there's what? a Herbie movie. It's a reboot. Uh, it's a uh, it, 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 it was <laughs> a, a weird. Or? No, what it was, it was a. Um, it was one of those fully loaded. The one with Michael. Keaton? No, no, it was it was a TV movie, and uh. it was it was really. I don't even know if it's on IMDb, but um, what it did, it, it was kind of like a cap to the. Um, uh, to the franchise because even like Dean Jones, a very old Dean Jones was in it like oh, wow. as a cameo. And uh, you had these weird, <laughs> these, but the comedians were really funny in it. So I don't even know if it's there. You can't, if, if, any, an IMDb, yeah, if you can find it, um, good luck, but it's, it's really good. It's yeah. Dana Gould is in it. Like I said, Jeff Garland and Bruce Campbell in oh. a, a Herbie movie. Um, now there's oh. a couple fans right now going. You just made that up. There's no way that that exists, and I'm telling you, it, it existed. Um, so, and we have a great movie to counter program Cinderella. Run all night, and yes. uh, you know what's funny? It's like you could criticize Liam Neeson for making the same movie over and over again, but here's the thing: so what? You want him to make the same movie over and over again. You kind of like, I want to see this movie now. I... Run, Liam, run. Yes. <laughs> Now Ed Harris, who I think is a great bad guy, yeah, and these two are going to lock horns. Mm-hmm. I-, I say bring it, like bring it hard. These two, one of them killed them with them son, or yeah, and then he's going after his other yeah, son, yeah, and then yeah, you got to yeah. run, sure, and it's sure, going to sure. be uh, guns and running and blood feud. I'm going to assume compressed time movie. Everything happens over the span of one evening. God, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, now we want to talk about our site spotlight and fan feedback. Um, there were some great uh, responses on the Facebook page about uh, the most overhyped film of all time. Well, first let's ask. Uh, so we 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 put um, we asked what are your favorite overhyped films, and we said uh, we put Gone with the Wind. Um, but let me ask you this. So Tom, we, we God, there's got some amazing ones here. A lot of people put Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Frozen is on here. Avatar. But then some people put Lost in Translation, which that bumps me out a little bit. But what's yours? So favorite overhyped film? Well, <laughs> no, that adds another, most. not your favorite. The most overrated movie in Europe. That would add another dimension oh, to the it. The most overrated movie. I was yeah. going to say Sound of Music if you want to talk overhyped, but still, you know, quality ratio or something. Yeah, uh, what's a movie that you thought got so much hype and then you saw it and went, eh. You know what I always use as as that differential, right? And I, I should preface this by saying I don't think it's a bad movie, but the original Jurassic Park was so hyped right. that by the time I saw it, for some reason I didn't get to see it until like it had been out for a month, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, the dinosaurs are pretty good, but you know, it's not that scary. Like it just, it just really disappointed me because people kept saying over and over, you're going to, you're going to be frightened. You're going to be jumping out of your seat. It's, you know, it's ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, I wasn't jumping out of my seat. But don't you think that's what contributes to the overhypeness is when you see it, if you see it opening weekend without much knowledge going in, yeah. If you see it uh, three weeks later, it's not. This is to me is worse than spoilers. I actually don't mind unless it's like a crying game type, type spoiler. Right. But like little things that people tell me don't ruin a movie. What ruins a movie is having them say you're going to react like this. 
because I immediately go, yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe I won't. Yeah, I, that's actually a good point. Um, when you see a film, especially an overhyped film, can really color your reaction to it. Like I remember when I saw Slumdog Millionaire, mm-hmm. everyone was saying it was one of the greatest movies of all time. It was one of the best movies of the year. And I watched it and I'm like, eh, okay. You know, I don't think it was that right. amazing. And I would say the most overhyped movie for me uh, would be like Shakespeare in Love that won the Academy Award. I'm like, what? No. Yeah, I could do that pretty easily with yeah. Shakespeare in Love. And that's just one of those gowns and accent movies that the Academy loves. And Ben Affleck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Affleck 1.0. It's funny. Somebody here, Negative Steve Mandel, wrote Napoleon Dynamite, a bunch of annoying characters being not funny. Hashtag tell us Thursdays. Uh, <laughs> um, there are some good ones on there. There are some good ones. I would hear Napoleon Dynamite, <clears throat> I went into it and was laughing initially. But then I was just I got I got done with it. Like, well, it's, I, a, it's a character piece. Like if you you it, have to be completely in love with the character and, and want to watch him just do whatever for right. ninety minutes. But then, since not much happens in that film, if right. you're not completely on board with the character, you're going to get like you said, like a little uh, bored. I'll tell you the the movie that everyone recommended to me it is the only movie I've ever walked out of a theater before the end was Sister Act. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? What's, Who the fuck is recommending yeah, that Yeah, I would to you, say at, I would take more. It was uh, new in the theaters, and yeah. oh, it's so funny. Yeah. You've got it. I'm like, all right. I was skeptical. I walk in. I'm sitting there. I'm watching it. I turn to my girlfriend at the time. I'm like, if the Pope gets up and dances, I'm out of here. <laughs> that is the last of that movie I ever saw. You know, I think, I think you need better friends. I, yeah, I think the I problem think, is who was, you're hanging out with, yeah, really. I've changed them since. <laughs> good, good. Get those assholes out of there, yeah. because if they're telling you Sister Act, yeah. you, need better, you need a better mm. class of people. Ultimately, then that's your fault. Yeah. Yes. That was a learning experience, and I'm glad I went through it. I'm better for it. Yeah. Um, all right, Andy Luck. You uh, he, he puts hashtag tell us Thursdays and writes Star Wars, and then puts in parentheses ducks. Yeah, you got a lot of fucking nerve posting that on our Facebook page, my friend. But I guarantee you're one of these people who has my guess, Andy, and write this write, email us and let us let us know if this is the case. You're one of those one of the two percent of the population that's never saw it. Everyone tells you, "Oh my god, I can't remember," and you finally watch it as an adult and go, "Who gives a shit?" That I actually would get. Because the reason all of us, I'm assuming, at this table loved it, we saw it as children. Yes. Uh And we've grown up with it since. We've grown up with it. If you were to watch that movie for the first time today, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm going to go to Johnson Station and pick up some power converters, you'd be like, oh, what the, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Why are you whining? Yeah, shut up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So that I kind of get, because you're talking of decades of Mm overhype. But you're still dumb, Andy. It's a great movie. (laughs) Uh, and also, I want to mention Neil's uh, review of What We Do in the Shadows. This is the uh, comedic vampire movie uh, from one of the Flight of the Concords guys. And But it's uh, a reality show crew actually goes and interviews vampires living in a house. And uh, Neil really liked it. I've heard great things about it. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, you definitely want to check it out. The thing that I love about movies like this is just when you think like a genre is played out and there's nothing new you can do with it, literally vampires and reality show parodies it's literally like those are the two things I'm like i'm tired of both of those things and the, but they can do both in a compelling way mm-hmm. i'm on board i want to see it it's like um what chappie isn't <laughs> you know you take which is everything yes yeah, so you take something um that's been you know it's familiar ground it's been tread before but you do it in a unique and interesting and new way 
All right. Oh, here, I got to read this one real quick in the terms of the overhyped movies. Dick likes poetry, writes, I cannot participate in this because there are too, there are far too many haters of great films in this thread. Hashtag tell us Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> Amen so, to you, sir. Yeah. Amen. So we actually had a conscientious objector in that thread. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. Way to stand your ground. Now, Dick, if you really yeah. want to do it, you should set yourself on fire like a Buddhist monk. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. Go, commit, go, commit go, big, go yeah. big or go home. <laughs> and get B-roll. And get, <laughs> get B-roll. Um, all right, you guys. Uh, well, that is the program. That is our program. Uh, 259, put it in the books. So, Tom, where can uh, people find you on uh, the internet? All over. Uh, TomMerritt.com. Two R's, two T's is my website. There's a page there where you can see all of the different shows that I do. Uh, but Mondays is Cord Killers. If you're into cord cutting, uh, if you like movies, we talk about movies. We talk about TV shows from the perspective of watching what you want, where you want, when you want. So it's all about like you got rid of your cable and you yeah. just on demand. Or maybe you're thinking about getting rid of cable. Mm-hmm. It's more It's more about like how do I take control of what I want to watch and ha- watch Have you talked about the um, HBO app? Yeah, that available? was our big story yesterday. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. That is, yeah. That's that, that It's it's that's the domino right that there. and sling tv you can cobble together a pretty good cable replacement and the best part this is what we love about it is you can pick and choose maybe you're like i don't care about live sports so don't don't get sling tv just get hbo now netflix so that's and what sling is sling box is mainly for live sports right sling tv it's not sling box which is confusing it's sling okay. tv but it's got live sports and then like the home and garden food cooking set uh, because some that, people like to have that on just in the background how does that work because i cut my cable like five years ago and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, all right. But then they kept upping, those fuckbags at Time Warner kept upping my internet price to force me into a package. Into a package. Right. And then I went, them. well, I'm not getting your package. They're so basically to- paying you to have cable, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically they because because internet was just forty bucks a month, and then they moved to forty five, and then it got up to sixty, and then they're like, "But for sixty nine, you can get a phone that you're never going to use, and a bunch <laughs> of channels you're never going to watch." Sounds great, you know. So I just said <laughs> the hell with them, and I went to I went to Verizon to get FiOS. So I said, like, "All right, I'll get a little slightly higher speed." But again, that's all these channels. I don't. I mean, they gave me free HBO for a couple months, so I just DVR'd. You know, Batman Everything. Begins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Over and over, over again. Over and over again. So I guess <laughs> I filled that, it up. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's okay. Like, I'm DVRing some shows I want to watch. But I'm, I'm like, I don't fucking... But apps and just pulling up the episodes you want is so much easier and yeah. better. You don't have to maintain anything. You don't have to worry about a broken season pass on your DVR and stuff like that. And then that. sometimes yeah. the DVRs, this happened to us last night, it, it stops working. Like, yeah. it won't record a show. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we almost missed Walking Dead because... Uh, my power yeah, the, went the, out. The DVR just decided, I'm not going to record it tonight. Yeah, yeah, my power went out when I was on the road, and it, I missed a couple episodes of Justified. Mm-hmm. So how do I do this sling thing? Sling TV, uh, you go to sling.tv, I think it's sling.tv or slingtv.com and you give them 20 bucks a month and then you watch it on whatever you want. It's, you can get it on your laptop, you get it on your phone, you get it on a Roku device, like Apple Amazon TV. Fire TV. Can it's not it on, on Apple TV yet. Uh, uh, it's coming to Xbox. I don't know if it's coming to PlayStation. You know what I'm thinking? I, does it, because... Honestly, we, we could get a lot of tech questions answered right now. I no think we should take shit. advantage. <laughs> Let's say I can I just pay for ESPN like a, a monthly service just for ESPN and get it on my Apple TV? Uh yeah, you can pay for Sling TV, which gives you access to watch ESPN, which has an app on the Apple TV. Um, How do I get rid of spam? 
Uh, you just get, stop using email. No one uses email anymore. Yeah. No, I actually use webmail for that. I'd get rid of spam. See, I actually, I'm like, I have an, you have answer. an answer. I know you were joking. Yeah. I can't no, stop no, myself. I would, <laughs> no, I actually wanted to hear the answer. Yeah. How do I lose weight and feel yeah. better about myself? You read your spam. <laughs> <laughs> Helpful episode. Yes. Uh, all right, cool, man. So TomMerritt.com, you guys. Yeah, TomMerritt.com. Cord Killers on Monday. Sword and Laser if you're into sci-fi and fantasy books yes. on Wednesday. Is it just books or movies and TV too? It's just books. We will talk about TV shows based on movies or, or right. I'm sorry, TV shows based on books or movies based on books. Like Game of but Thrones. it's a book club, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, Game of Thrones is a big one for us. And then Current Geek on Fridays for just geeky stuff. And those are all live stream, but people can get, get them in an archive. And yeah. yeah, they're all meant to be consumed as podcasts. Great. Outstanding. Yeah. We'd like to be on three out of those five shows. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to tell you which one. Yeah. <laughs> just off us. Yeah. <laughs> the unexpected guest. You better be ready. Keeps things interesting. I like it. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that's our show. Um, I will be performing uh, more com- – this is uh, my doing comics on duty this weekend um, in Grand Forks, North Dakota at an Air Force base on the 13th of March. And on the 14th, I will be in beautiful Minot, North Dakota at another Air Force base. So uh, there have been a couple comedy film nerd fans that are uh, serving this fine country with the Air Force. So if you are at one of those bases, I will be telling jokes uh, with a couple other comedians, uh, Gary Brightwell, Danny Viapondo, and I think Paul Ogata this weekend. And then... um, yeah, I'm going to be doing uh, this. Just I just added this show, uh, but I'll release more more uh, dates uh, specifics on it. But I'm going to be doing some shows in Lake Havasu in May, uh, so check that out. And Chris, uh, what are you doing? I will be at What's Podcast. <laughs> we don't have enough time. Uh, <laughs> Podcast San Diego on March 28th. I will actually be the closing keynote speaker at this event, and I will be talking about. Um, the connection between podcaster and fan. And oh, we'll right also on. be showing the earbuds trailer oh, at, cool. the, uh, um, at the conference. Now, here's the thing about the conference I want to mention to you guys, because they're allowing me to um, give away a couple of comps for Comedy Film Nerds fans. So email me at info at comedyfilmnerds.com. If you're a podcaster and you want to go to this conference, I have a couple of uh, free passes available, and they're worth $100. So oh, cool. you definitely want to uh, uh, please take advantage. Email me, and I can hook up the first couple people who respond. Right on, guys. Um, yeah. Also, oh, yeah, I'll be uh, doing some shows with uh, Doug Benson April 19th through the 21st, San Francisco, Denver, and Eugene, Oregon. Um, that is our show. Thank you once again. Also, PodFest. Uh, tickets are on sale and hotels are now. You yes. Can get the dis- In fact, people are already booking the hotels. Yep. We haven't even announced the lineup yet, but people are already booking and buying mm-hmm. stuff. We're working on dropping and getting some big names as we speak. Yes. So we are that, working on a lot of that right now. That's September 18th through the 20th. Go to LAPodFest.com. And I've officially already asked Tom to help out with the panels. Well, look at that. Mm-hmm. You're going to get, get, yeah. get some more weight loss yep. tips. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the deal. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was the deal. <laughs> Lose 12 pounds at this year's PodFest. Ask Tom um, All right, guys. That's our show. Thank you once again to our guest, Tom Merritt. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. As always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. That's a Star Wars reference. Overrated. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> <laughs>